0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. Amen. That was Rocky and Robin. Rock and Robin. What comes after that? Tweet, tweet. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> All right. Hey, uh, we're there there's a... Our third and final part of our series, we're calling "Money Matters." How many of you know that money matters, and it matters how you deal with money, right? That those things are important. Money is important to you, but how we how we use money and how we manage our money is important to God. As a matter of fact, how we manage our money and how we steward what He's given us was is is a really big indicator of whether or not God will entrust us with more money now how many of you'd like to have more money don't be don't be shy about it don't be bashful i know you daydream about it you daydream about having more so that you can do more, so that you can be a better, bigger blessing. And we all do, and that's by God's design. God is a God of increase. He's not a God of decrease. He's a God that wants you blessed, not a God that wants you cursed. He want, He's a God who wants abundance for your life, not a God who wants you scraping by every single month. And I don't know about you, I've lived paycheck to paycheck before, it's no fun. I, I've lived where it, you come up just short, and that is no fun. I tell you what's fun, is when, when you have abundance at at the end of the week, at the end of the month, you have something left over. You've done everything that you're supposed to do, paid all your bills, given how you've wanted to give it, and you got something left over. That is the will of God. Abundance is the will of God. Everybody say it when say abundance is the will of God. And so, if you if if you if you want the will of God in your life, first of all, you just have to agree. With God that He wants there to be abundance in my life. If you want the will of God in your life, you have to be receptive to the will of God and say, "Lord, I am willing for my life to change." You know, whatever that may be. If, if if He wants abundance, you have to be a willing. You have to be willing for your life to change, and obviously, it's changing for the good. Amen. He He wants that for us, and so this is our third and final part of this. But I want to ask you a question before we get into the message very important question and and i think it's one that we can all identify with how many of you can remember the the first time or the first season in your life when you had that first anxious emotion or that first worry about money anybody can you remember that that time anybody in here ever be has anybody ever in here been anxious about money let me see you. three people I don't know what planet everybody else lives on, but I want to come live on your planet. Amen. Because we've all, at some point in our life, if you're old enough, you you know, now when you're a kid, it's all bliss, money. I mean, there's no difference between five dollars and 500000 I mean, it's just... It's just dollars, but you know, as you get a little bit older and you experience some things, or maybe you step out on your own for the first time, now all of a sudden you realize mom and daddy ain't paying the bills, and mom and daddy are going, Hallelujah, I just got a raise right? So mom and dad aren't paying the bills, and so you're out on your own, and so you get that first little twinge of anxiety or worry about money. You know, how am I going to pay for this apartment? How am I going to pay for my own food? How am I going to pay for my own gas? How am I going to pay to, you know, to maintain things? So that that may be, you know, one area, or maybe it's when you got married, and you realize it's someone other than you that you have to support, and you buy a house, and you got a mortgage, and now we just signed up for 30 years of our life, and, and now we got to pay this, and, and so it could be a little worry there, a little anxiety. <clears throat> Maybe it's when you had your first child or your second child, and you say, oh, man, we just brought this, this living being that eats and poops into the house, and now we've got to feed." and we've got to we got to buy diapers and we have to buy wipes and we have to fix up the room all cute and we got to buy beds and we got to do all this stuff and and so there could be a little anxiety and and worry creep in you know what are we going to do or maybe i know for i know for me it's when you know when i first started pastoring and we were we were meeting in this little this little 2400 square foot building and Rent was $300 a month. Oh, for those days, again, where, you, you know, a mortgage of $300 a month. And, man, like, wow. And uh, so we decided we were going to buy this building, and this building was $50,000. It may, may as well have been $500,000. I didn't know what $50,000 looked like. I'd never had $50,000. I've never he- held $50,000 before. And I'm and and so we signed on that we first with fear and trepidation went down to the bank. Hey, can we borrow? Well, we didn't have, ended up not having to borrow the money. But I, I'm thinking this whole process when we're making this offer, I've got to go down and borrow the money. Will we have enough money to service this debt? And a little fear, a little anxiety. And then when we moved over and to this bought property and and man, we we found 23 acres and. And we offered $75,000 for 23 acres, and and the people, they countered and said, I'll sell it to you for $69,000. i am going, wow, they went down on the offer, and I still don't know how I'm going to pay for it. And so... <clears throat> And so not only that, but we're going to build a building, so we're going to be half a million dollars. And how are we going to pay for that? I mean, we just signed on the dotted line, and how are we going to pay for that? So a little worry, a little anxiety try to take hold of you. Anybody ever experienced that when it comes to your money? A little worry, a little anxiety comes. And then, and then of course, we, we built this building. Same effect. I mean, same effect. We went from half a million to a couple of million dollars, and how are we going to do that? And a little worry and a little anxiety comes in. And, and that's just... How many of you know that you're not just a physical being? You're not just a physical being, and, uh, but you're, you're a spiritual being. As a matter of fact, you are a spirit. And your spirit lives in your body, right? Your spirit lives in your body, but you also have a soul. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and emotions. With your mind, you can see the future. With your mind, you can imagine things and so you can imagine the future and when you begin to imagine the future you begin to strategize you begin you begin to plan and so sometimes you can imagine the future and it doesn't look real bright it doesn't look too great and so when the, when the future doesn't look real bright or real great you begin to worry you begin to be anxious about the future and so you have a, a mind you have a will your will chooses Uh, You have emotions. Anybody else in here have emotions? Everybody has emotions. And I mean, emotions, you can be happy, you can be sad, you can be angry, you can be at peace, but we all have emotions. And it's important that we don't allow our emotions to control us. We are to control our emotions. When our soul is healthy, when our soul is healthy, we can control our emotions. We still have them. We, We may still have these anxious thoughts. We may still have these worrisome thoughts but we control the emotion right now anybody in here ever not control your emotion before anybody okay you i mean and you you didn't control your emotions you allowed your emotions to control you and it didn't work out real well for you did it it didn't work out real well well we're so when our soul is healthy we can control the emotions our response Right. Even if it's something big, and even if it's something negative, when we have a healthy soul, we can control those emotions. And so, if our soul is not healthy, and many times, you know, your soul can be healthy in one season of your life, and then your soul cannot be healthy. That's why the word says that that He, our Shepherd, will restore our soul. Why? Because your soul just doesn't get healthy one day and stay healthy forever without maintenance. And so you have to pay attention to your soul. It says it like that, this in Proverbs 4, keep and guard your heart. The same thing. He's talking about your soul. Keep and guard your heart above everything because out of it are the issues of life. And so it's important that we guard our soul. We guard your soul. Keep your soul strong and healthy. Well, then you can control your emotions. Very important. And so this is what sometimes if we don't have a healthy soul and, and we we our mind locks in on something negative. It, it locks in on the anxiety. It locks in on the worry it can lead to uh, addiction in our life and, and all kinds of addictions and you realize this that when when if you if you meditate on the wrong thing it'll stress you out people are not stressed out because they're tired physically people are stressed out because they're tired mentally they're they're not just wore out physically they're wore out mentally and when you're wore out mentally I mean you can you can get addicted. Some people when they when they get stressed their go-to is shopping. I mean they, they, they go to shopping and they spend money they don't have. It's just some people, when they're stressed out, they turn to pornography. Some people, when they're stressed out, you know, they, uh, they, they, it, it's anger that comes out of them. Some people, when they're, when they're stressed out, they go to the refrigerator. That's what I do. I mean, I get stressed out. And man, I just say, just, just, I'm not even hungry. Just give me something to eat. Y'all know, what, everybody has an addiction. Everybody has an addiction. Right? Everybody has, when, when, when you're stressed, when your soul is stressed, when your soul is taxed, you have something, if, if, if it's not healthy, you, kinda, you go to something if you don't control that. You go to something. And we've all been guilty of this. Right? But here's the wonderful thing. Our, our soul can be renewed. It can be restored. Right? So it can be healthy again so our emotions and that stress is not controlling us. We're controlling it. Right? And so when it comes to money, when it comes to money, I believe that 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 if you're not being touched by this right now, you've been touched by this before where anxiety and worry. And I'm so thankful to the word of God that the word of God doesn't sugarcoat things. The word of God just comes out and it just gives us real life. It gives us real life. And Jesus especially just gave us real life. He gave us real-life scenarios. And when it comes to money, he gave us real-life scenarios. Why? Because money matters. Money matters, and it matters how you steward your money. And so Jesus said this in Matthew, the 6th chapter. <clears throat> and, and I'm going to start reading in verse 31, but before we get there, he, he begins it like this, and we looked at this scripture last week. He said... Uh, he said, you can only have one master. You can't have two. You, because you, you, can either, you either have to serve God or you're going to serve money, but you can't, you can't serve both. You, either, either God is your money, I mean, either either God, God is your God, or money is your God, right? But if, if money is your God, God is not your God. And if God is your God, money is not your God. And he said, you can't have two masters. You either love the one and hate the other, or you despise the one and and serve the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so this is the context that Jesus is talking. Then he goes on to say, and he talks about, has any of you, and he begins to talk about worry. He begins to talk about anxiety in the context of money. And he said, has any of you, by worrying, ever added an inch to their height? I mean, how many of you have ever you worried about your height? Did you grow? Are, are y'all with me this morning? Uh, this morning this feedback morning, okay? Feedback. And so, ha- have you ever added an inch to your height by worrying? No. And he said, and 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 look at the and, and look at the flower of the fields. They're not striving and and they're not striving and straining to. Be so beautiful, and even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these flowers? And which of you by worrying can clothe yourself? And so he's talking to them about this worry and this anxiety over money and stuff. And so Jesus picks it up in Matthew 6:31. He says, Therefore, do not worry and be anxious. Now, I mean, let's can we do this? Is it possible for you and I not to worry or be anxious about money? Is it possible? Is it possible? It is possible. He says, so do not worry and be anxious, saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? Is there going to be enough money to have food for tomorrow? What are we going to eat? And... What are we going to drink? I mean, if the hurricane comes and the water is bad, do we have money to buy water? How long? Can't, do we have money to buy gasoline? Do we have water? Uh, do we have money for this? Do we have money for that? Are we going to be able to do it? He said, What are we going to wear? For the Gentiles, the heathen, the people who don't have a covenant with God, they are the ones who wish for and crave and diligently seek all these things. And so he said, He said all these, these people that don't have a covenant with God, they're seeking all this stuff. They're striving after all this stuff. And then he goes on to say, and your heavenly Father knows well that you need all of this. Do you know that God sees you? Do you know that God sees your need? Did you know that? Did you know that God hasn't forgotten about you, that you haven't slipped his eye? Did you know that God has, you, you're, you, you're, you haven't been undiscovered? That God is not looking across the whole world and every person and, and just kind of missed you in the crowd somewhere? God sees you and God sees your need. Amen. He hasn't forgotten about you, He hasn't bypassed you. God sees you. And he sees you need. He said, your father knows well that you need all of these things. But, now get this. So he said, don't worry, don't be anxious about this. But seek, aim, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. Now we've been talking about this. in Psalm 112. I hope you memorize this verse. It's a powerful verse of Psalm 112. Verse 1 says, is, uh, I just forgot what it said. It just went right out of my mind. I need to memorize this. It says, blessed is the man, the woman, who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. All this means is blessed is the person who commits to doing things God's way. God has a way about everything. Did you know that? God has a way of doing things about every area of your life. He has a way. And the word says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who commits to doing things God's way. What does that blessing look like? He goes on to say that his children, his descendants will be mighty on the earth. They'll be the head and not the tail. They'll be above only and not beneath. They'll be they'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. They'll be blessed going in and blessed going out. The blessings of God will come upon them and overtake them. He said, His descendants will be mighty on the earth, and he goes on to say, and wealth and riches will be in his house. That's what God said for the person who commits to doing things God's way. He said wealth and riches will be in your house. Wealth and riches are two different things. Riches is the stuff. It's the cars. It's the houses. It's the clothes. It's the toys. That's the riches. Wealth is the ability to maintain your riches without having a paycheck for an extended period of time. And we ought to live our life thinking about putting wealth over riches. The world's got it reversed. Well, I mean, we and you know people are they're they're playing now and then they're gonna pay later, or you can pay now and play later. But you if you put wealth over riches, then you're gonna have something to maintain the stuff. So he said, wealth and riches are gonna be in your house. Why? If you do it God's way, if you don't do it God's way, guess what? You may not have wealth and riches. And don't misunderstand me. There are people all the time that do things in a way that is not pleasing to God, that it's not right, and on the outside it looks like they're blessed. They've got all the toys. they got, They got more money than they could ever spend, but they're absolutely miserable on the inside. They have no peace. You say, how can you say that? Because the Word says there is no peace, says God, to the wicked. There's no peace. They're like an ocean that's just churning on the inside. That's why they jump out of buildings. That's why they, with millions of dollars in the account, they commit suicide because they're not doing it God's way. There is a way that seems right to a man. There is, a, but it, 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 it ends in destruction. <clears throat> but there is a God way. There is a way that God, for, for everything, there is a God God says, do it this way, and you will be blessed. Your descendants will be mighty, and wealth and riches will be in your house. I don't know about you. I sign up for that. I want that. Uh, amen. <clears throat> I want that in my house. Well, he gave us, I mean, very clear instructions on how to do it. Just find out how God doesn't do it his way. That's why we have, we have. Jesus tells us story after story after story. He says things like this. The kingdom of God is like this. In other words, if you want to know what the kingdom of God is like, if you want to know what the principles of the kingdom are like, just look at what Jesus said and then do that. And then do that. He said this is how the kingdom works. This is how God's government works. This is how God's kingdom works. If you'll do it that way, you will be blessed. Amen. Did we finish this verse? No. So then he says, uh, first of all, seek first of all his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And then all these things, what things? All these things that people are seeking after, all the stuff, all the riches, all the clothes, you know, all these things taken together will be given you besides. And the actual Greek means this, that it will be laid beside you. <laughs> that sounds great. He said, if you'll just seek doing it God's way, that God's going to lay these things beside you. Now, you can't go anywhere. There's no way you're going to get out in that rain right now. All right? So we might as well just listen and get this. Praise God. We'll only be here another hour or two. So Jesus is adding, he said, what what good is worry going to do in your life? And here's the thing. We all have this emotion. At times that creeps up in us about being worried about money, anxious about money. And you remember the first time that happened, then if you're getting up and, and you start looking at retirement, will we have enough? Will we be able to retire? And then that 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 anxiety, that that worry tries to grip you and here's the thing, if you, if we allow it to grip us it's not going to do us any good, it's not going to change anything, as a matter of fact it's going to hurt some things because worry, and I'm not saying you can't have the temptation, you can't have that in, initial emotion to worship, I mean to worry, but if we lay hold of it with our mind and we dwell on it, it is the complete opposite of faith which we are called to live and walk by faith. So, worry is seeing a future without a God who loves me. When you imagine the future, and you imagine a future and it is, it is a little bit scary to you, and it's a little bit uh frightening to you, because you see a future without a God who loves you. Or worry is seeing a future without a God who will provide for me. So when you look to the future and, and you're afraid, when it comes to your money, if you look to the future and you're afraid, it's just simply because you're not seeing that future with a God who's going to be present in that future who loves you. A God who is present in that future who will provide for you. Several years ago, the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard an audible voice. I was meditating on a scripture in Psalms, and, and David said, he said, Oh, God, you are my God. You are my God. Oh, God, you are my God. And I started saying that. I started saying, Oh, God, you are my God. You are my God. And just down on the inside, I, I heard the Lord ask he said, What does that mean to you? What does it mean I am your God? I just heard him just speak right on the inside of, what does that mean to you? I'm your God." Now I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Sounds good, though. You're my God." And he just spoke I don't mean an audible voice. I mean, just clearly on the inside, he said, he said "Let me explain it to you. Let me explain it to you. He said, "I've always wanted to guide my people. I've always wanted. To provide for my people. I've always wanted to protect my people. That's what it means when you say, You are my God. You're saying, You're my guide, you're my provider, and you're my protector. Isn't that good? Oh God, you are my God. You see, He's always wanted to provide for us. As a matter of fact, He, he is. He is the provider. He is the good shepherd, right? He's the good shepherd. Now, you—you, you, I mean, we don't have—we're not in this culture or society where you know we got a lot of farmers and they're not a lot of sheep herders. But I mean, if you saw a—if you saw a, a sheep out there and and you got a group, you got you got this flock of sheep, and then you saw this one little sheep wander out and he looked all malnourished and and mangy looking and looked sick. I mean, you wouldn't—you wouldn't think, oh, what a wonderful shepherd. That sheep has. No, you wouldn't think that. You'd be thinking, man, that that sheep needs a good shepherd. Not even sure if he has a shepherd at all. Well, God is a shepherd. Psalm 23 says, the Lord, Jehovah, is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. I know we read that at funerals, but that's not a funeral verse. That is a life verse. He wants to be your shepherd while you're a living, not just when you die. He wants to be your shepherd now. He wants to lead you now. He wants to put you in some green pasture now that you can roll around and be happy and comfortable and eat. Y'all supposed to say amen right there. He, he's, a, he's a good shepherd. And so, people, if, if, if he's a good shepherd and he is a good provider, and, and he is, but some of say, well, if he is... How come I'm experiencing lack? Why am I experiencing lack? If he is such a good shepherd, if he is such a good provider, why am I experiencing lack in my life? And here's one reason why. I'm going to give you one reason why. God is that. He is a provider. I mean, we see it all through the Word where he's provided for his people. But God needs something from you. He needs something from you. Do you know what he needs from you? Anybody want to take a shot at what does God need from you? He needs your faith. He needs your faith. God needs your faith. He's a provider, but he needs your faith. And we see this all through the Word. People who received from God, people who were blessed by God, were people of faith. They were people who trusted God. They were people who took God at his word. There are people who just say, you know, if God said it, I believe it. That settles it. I'm going to act on this. And that's the people that got blessed. That's the people that got provided for. That's the people that were protected. Is the people who gave God some faith to work with. Amen. Now, you know, I know what we would like. We would like for it all just to be up to God. And people, sometimes they live their life like it's all up to God. Whatever happens, that was the will of God. Whatever doesn't happen, that was the will of God. It's all up to God. That is the biggest lie. You can't. That is so unfounded in the Scripture. God needs your cooperation. If you want the will of God for your life, You've got to do the will of God for your life. You have to cooperate with God. God doesn't work in your life apart from you. He works in your life in cooperation with you. Now, he he ought to be calling the shots, but you got to hear from him, and he needs your faith. He needs your faith. Can you say amen? Amen. Uh, and so... You know, I found this out that when, when it comes to, to giving, when it comes to tithing, people who don't tithe, who don't give, it's not because they don't love God. Most, I would say everyone in here loves God. You wouldn't even be here. I mean, I mean, you came out in the rain. It's not because they don't love God. It's not because they don't love their church. It's because they just don't have a full knowledge or enough knowledge revelation knowledge, heart knowledge, that God loves them and God will provide for them and take care of them all of their days. I remember there was a few times when I first got saved that I I did not tithe. And it wasn't because I didn't love God. And it wasn't because I didn't love the church that I was going to. It's because I thought that I needed that money to make it the next week. And I didn't have faith enough in God that if I were to honor him with the first fruits and I were to return to him that 10% of my income, I did not have faith that, you know what, he's going to carry me all the way through. Now I've learned that lesson now. And I've proved him, and he, he's proven me now. But back then, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't too sure. So uh, there, there's, sometimes there's a lot of fear <clears throat> involved in, in giving and in tithing. And so that's why we're doing the 90-day the tithe challenge. The 90-day tithe challenge isn't for us. Look, if, if the 90-day tithe challenge was for this church, it wouldn't be a money-back guarantee. We just say, hey, do this for 90 days. We'll keep your money. No, if it was, if it, if it was for us, it wouldn't be a money-back guarantee. This is a contract based on Malachi 3. God said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse and prove me. See if I will not open the windows of heaven and bless you. Amen. And so in preparation for this message, I've, I've been reading this little book. It's called Fields of Gold. And it's by, by Andy Stanley. And, and he's really talking about, you know, how how to get past your fear and anxiety about living a generous lifestyle. So anyone who, who signs up for the 90-day tithe challenge, and there's directions in that card that you got. Anyone who signs up, we're going to send you this book for free. And uh, you can read, and it's going to encourage you. So... Here's here's the deal on the 90 day task. Now look, I'm not trying to get, get anything out of you. I do want you to be blessed. I do. I mean, you think if you've been coming here, we spend all of about 30 seconds on the offering. It, it might not even be 30 seconds. It's, hey, here's how you can give if you want to give. And that's about it. God has blessed our church. He'll continue to bless our church. And I was telling the Lord, Lord, if I say that, then people, they, they might think they don't need to give. And, and here, here's the deal. Our vision will always be bigger than our budget. But this is what I found out is that I can't look to you. i got to look to God, and then he can move on you or whoever he wants to. Amen. But God, either either God is our provider or our job is our provider or somebody else is our provider. But I don't know about you. I'm going to choose God. I'm going to choose God because he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, y'all. All the gold and all the silver is his. He slung the planets into orbit and he's holding there by the word of his power. Amen. Uh, he's a good shepherd. Now, so, what does God need from us? What does he? He needs his faith He needs our faith. You remember the story and, and I'm hurrying kind of you remember the story when the 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 woman who her her husband died and they were this is in the old testament they were in so much debt, so much debt that you know the their the debt collectors were coming to their house, and you know you got to pay this or we're going to take your sons and you you're going to be you're going to be a slave until all this is paid off. And the prophet came around, and, and she was crying to the prophet, you know, we're about to be sold into slavery. we got all this debt. We're about to be sold into slavery. He said, this, he said what do you have in your house? I don't have anything in my house. And he said, no, you got something in your house. What do you have in your house? No, we don't have anything. All we got is this, this jar with a little bit of oil in it. He says, that's all you need. You know, you're sitting out there and you're thinking, you've got so much debt in your life. And you're thinking, tithe? Tithe? Give? And I got so much debt in my life. And the Lord said, What do you have? I don't have anything. I don't have nothing. You got something? She said, All I got is a little bit of oil. In this vessel, he said, "All right, go tell your sons to go to all the neighbors, go find all the empty vessels, and bring them. And when they bring them, just start pouring that oil in those vessels. Well, how am I going to do that? It's only a little bit. Just start pouring." And she poured, and she poured, and she poured, and she said, "All right," she said, "Uh, "All right, all these." He said, "Go find some more." He said, We got all the empty vessels in the city, and they're all full of oil. Don't know how it happened, but they're all full. He said, no, go sell it. Go sell the oil. Take the money and pay your creditors. Man, does God know how to get you out of debt? I mean, does he know how to do it? You see, if you do it, God, what if she said, oh, hey, think, that little bit of oil is not going to do me any good? What if she would have done like a lot of us? And reasoned in our mind how a little bit of oil isn't going to fill a whole bunch of jars. And we do reason. But she did it. And she paid her debts. What about the woman, the the widow woman? And the prophet came by and he was hungry. And uh, he said, uh, hey, can you make me something to eat? I can't. All I've got is a little bit of flour. The lady said, all I've got is a little bit of flour. I've got a little bit of oil. I've got a couple of sticks here. I'm going to make a fire, and I'm going to make me and my son a little cake, and we're going to eat it, and we're going to die. We're going to starve to death because that's all we got is a little bit. And that mean profit. Man, if it had been today, it'd be in the headline news tomorrow. That prophet said, Well, go make me a little cake first. We would see headlines. Prophet takes woman and child's last meal. Takes woman's, widow woman's last meal. He said, Go make me a little cake first. She didn't whine. She said, Okay. I mean, the man of God. May as well have been God standing there because he's speaking for God. He's, the man of God said, go do something for me first. I mean, that's like God saying, do it for me first. It takes faith. It takes faith to obey God. And she made him a little cake, and he ate it, and then she made some for her and her son, and she kept making it for her and her son, and they lived many, many years. Why? Faith, faith obeys, faith obeys God's ways, amen, it's all about that faith, about that faith, no doubting, y'all get that in a minute. In Genesis chapter 22, Genesis 22, and I'm, I'm hurrying. I'll, I'll have you all out of here by 12. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Everybody say tested. Another word you might have in your Bible is proved. Will God prove you? Will God test you? Yeah, God will tested Abraham, proved Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham, he hauled around, took his time, reasoned things out in his mind. Now Abraham rose early in the morning. I mean, that's faith. When you rise up early, when you get to moving, when God speaks to you, that's faith. So he rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we'll come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, my father... And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burn offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burn offering. So the two of them went up. I like that. God will provide for himself. God will provide. Yes. Then they came to the place which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know. For now I know. For now I know. As if God did not know before this. I thought God knew everything. Well, evidently he didn't know this said that God proved Abraham. He said, for now I know that you what? That you what? Fear God. What is the fear of God? The fear of God is doing things God's way. That's the fear of God. That's the fear of the Lord. He said, now I know that you fear God. Now I know that you're committed to doing things my way. If God doesn't know that you're committed to doing things His way, He's not going to entrust stuff to you. If God, if 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 he doesn't, if he hasn't proven you, and 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 you haven't proven that you're committed to do it God's way, he will not entrust more to you. Or to me, he said. Now I know. Now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a Offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Yahweh Yuri or Jehovah Jireh. And Jehovah Jireh, the compound name of God, is how God revealed himself. Jehovah Jireh means the Lord who sees ahead and provides. He is still that for you and I. He sees ahead and provides. As a matter of fact, everything you will ever need in, your, in this life, everything you'll need, everything that you want, every desire of your heart, is already God's already made provision for it. It's in your future. But you'll only intersect that provision through obedience to God. you only intersect that, that provision through your obedience of faith. Oh, this is good preaching. I got chill bumps all over me. I mean, you'll only intersect that provision that God's already set out there for you through your obedience of faith. Finding out how God does things and do it. And he said, The Lord, the Lord will provide. As it is said in this day, in the mountain of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time out of heaven. Verse 16, he said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing. And you have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. I tell you what, there is there is a blessing in obeying God and doing it God's way. And God has a way of doing things about everything. He has a way of doing things about everything in God. Our life. So he says, notice this, verse 1, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested, he proved Abraham. Testing or proving is the process where God's Word moves from your head to your heart. Testing is the process where God's Word moves from your head to your heart. It stops being a concept you know, and it becomes a truth that you live by. For instance... Forgiveness. I mean, we woo, forgiveness. Oh, I just forgive. If anybody does me wrong, I'm going to return good for the wrong. They did. They slapped me on one side of my head. I'm going to turn the other side. I'm going to let them slap that too. You see, that's a concept you know. But it's when you get out in the real world, when we're not shouting on Sunday morning, when we're not excited on Sunday morning and somebody does you wrong, Somebody slaps you upside your head. Now, is this a concept you know, or is this going to be a truth that you live by? And this is a test, and we take tests every single day. Tests don't stop in the 12th grade or after college. We take tests every day. We're being proved every day. Are we going to do it God's way? And so when when that opportunity of forgiveness comes up, it's a test. God tested Abraham. He proved him. He said, now I know. Now I know. Now I know that I can trust you. I mean, when it comes to money. Oh, we can shout, oh, God's my provider. He'll make a way and when, in the desert. I mean, he, he'll make a way when there is no way. He is the way maker. Woo! Glory to God. He supplies all my needs. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his seed begging for bread. God supplies all of my needs. He's my provider. And then he speaks to your heart, or through the word, he says, tithe. Tithe. You see, it's one thing, and it's wonderful to say it, but God's not just wanting to hear your words. He's wanting to see your faith. He's wanting to see your faith. Do you remember the, the story of Jesus when you know, he was in his ministry, and it says that he came to a house that's full of people, doctors of the law, Pharisees, Sadducees, said the whole house was full and nobody else could get through the door. And then it says, The power of the Lord was present to heal, and nobody got healed. But yet, the power of the Lord was present to heal all of them, but nobody got anything. And then all of a sudden, there's four men who brought their friend who couldn't walk. And they couldn't get through the door, so they drug this paralyzed man up on top of the house, and they began to take the roof off the house, and they let the man down in the room before Jesus. And Jesus saw their faith, and when He saw their faith, He said, "Man, get up! You're healed. Get up!" Why? Because He just wasn't they, He just wasn't hearing words. He saw something. Now, now seeing. Confessing is wonderful. It's awesome. You ought to do it every day. But you got to go beyond just saying it to obeying. So we're saying, oh, God provide for you. And he says, tithe. Yeah, but I can't afford to. You don't trust. You see, tithing is not just a matter. It's not just a, it's not just a proof of your love for God. It is that. Are you going to love money more than God? Are you going to love things more than God? It's not just a test of your love. It's a test of your faith. And it's not about money with God. It's about who are you going to trust? What are you going to trust? It's not about money with him. It's about faith. Do you have faith in God? Do you trust God? And so he says, this is how you're going to prove that you trust me. You're going to return to me 10%. Of the first. Now, Israel, the way they did it, if they had a cow that had a calf, they had to burn the calf with no guarantee that that cow was going to produce another calf. That takes faith. And I mean, that, that sacrifice, when they sacrificed that calf, it wasn't going to world missions, it wasn't going to feed the hungry, it was an act of obedience. Will you demonstrate your faith? Hey guys, and look, I'm not trying to get out anything out of you. I want you to be blessed, but to be blessed, you got blessed. You got to do it his way. You got to do it his way. You got to do it his way. Yeah, but I'm scared. Well, that's why we got the ninety day. Money back guarantee. I'm so convinced that you will be blessed of God. I'm so convinced that you won't even miss that 10%. That God is going to increase you, that He's going to multiply you, that He's going to give you ideas, that He's going to show you things, that unexpected blessings are going to come to you. Refunds and rebates and are going to come to. You. I'm so convinced of that. Why? And I mean, you can't get any better than this. I'm about to get wound up here. You can't get better than this. How many of you, if you had a, man, if you had a, a nine-foot angel that would stand at the door of your home, stand at the door of your business, stand at the door of your finances, and, and, and fight off any enemy that would come, how many of you would like that? Well, you got something better you got something better that God says to those who tithe. He said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. The devourer is anything that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I'll stand at the door of your house, and I'll rebuke the devourer. I'll stand at the door of your business, and I'll rebuke the devourer. I'll stand at the door of your home. I'll stand at the door of your family. If anything comes to steal, kill, and destroy, I'll rebuke it. Myself, I'll rebuke it. Man, I don't know how. Woo! Man, I don't know how you can get any better than that. I'm about to come out of my skin, y'all. I'm telling you the Lord wants to do something for you. I'm about to leave my body right here. I mean this is He said, I I will stand there and say, Satan, I rebuke you. <laughs> That's good. I'm about to go black Pentecostal on y'all. I'm just telling you. I'm just. I'm about, <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> y'all, y'all, you <y'all, laughs> <sighs> 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 Have no idea where I am. What's <laughs> up? What's God need? Your faith. And the tithe is just a demonstration of your faith in God. It's just a demonstration. It is just a proof that you believe him to take care of you. But Pastor Chuck, I gotta feed my kids, and he knows that. I gotta put gas in my car. He knows that. I got to hurry, y'all. I'm sorry. I kept y'all too long. Um, Can y'all? This is no joke. Can y'all give me just two minutes? Okay. Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. It was good, though. It was good. (laughs) Amen. He's good to us. He he, he, oh, he, wants to take us up, y'all. He wants us to be so blessed where we can be such a blessing. And right now you might be sitting there and say, I, I be a blessing? I can't even pay, pay my bills. He wants to get that all taken care of. Oh, here's what it's going to say. Thank you, Lord. I just knew if I talked a little while longer, I'd come. Anytime. That God wants to grow us. Anytime that he wants to increase us, he has to prune us first. He's got to cut a little bit back. And I know for me when it comes to finances that, you know, I I told you the very first week, if you weren't here, I'll just, very first week, I asked the question, if you were to sit down with Jesus, and I would encourage you to have this meeting with Jesus. And you were open, open your accounts to him, open your bank accounts, and say, Hey, Jesus, look through this with me. Would he be pleased with what he saw? And for, for me and, and us, I said, Oh, I don't know if the Lord would like that. Because there's a lot of restaurants, a lot of eating out. Nothing wrong with going to restaurants, nothing wrong with eating out. But anything could be too much, and especially if the Lord's dealing with you about it. If He's not dealing with you, this, this is for me. I mean, he's, but there's always a place where we can eliminate the waste, eliminate the drains, right? He wants to bless So stewardship, big part of stewardship is who will you honor? Who will you trust? Are you going to trust God, or are you going to trust money? If you win that battle, if you you prove yourself with God, he said, blessing, in blessing I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply you. God wants to increase you. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for helping us today. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for speaking to us in the name of Jesus Father I pray if there's anyone here who's never given their whole heart and their whole life to you because that's what you want more than anything all of our heart and all of our life if there's anyone here that's never done that Lord I ask that you speak to them now real quickly if you're in here and you've never given your whole heart and your whole life to Jesus and what I mean by that you, you've never been born again you say well I don't know what that means well if you don't know what that means you probably haven't or you've never given your whole heart and your whole life to Jesus so you know whether you have or not or you may be sitting here and you said, if I were to die today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Well, if you're, not, if you're not sure, I want to pray for you. If you've never been born again, if you've never been giving your whole heart and your whole life to Jesus, if you're not sure that you'd go to heaven when well, you die, I want to pray for you today. So every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in here and you've never done that, on count of three, just raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to stand. Just right there in your seat. Here we go. One, two, three, right now. Thank you. i see your hands in the back. Thank you so much. Way to go, way to go. Anyone else looking across the room? Good. All right. Anybody else? All right, let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart and save me. Change me. Make me brand new. Amen. Church, let's give these a real big hand, all right?